Well, welcome to Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. Greg Richard joined by Scott Sharp today. How are you going, Scott? Very well. Uh, a little bit chilly last night. I had the uh, the bedclothes wrapped up right around the ears, but uh, I survived. Right up around the ears. Yeah, right <laughs> up around that. You've got to keep the, the neck warm. <laughs> Very tucked in. What have you got for us today, Scott? Well, I thought I'd talk about uh, the Moses in a Cradle. It's a, a lovely little plant. Yep. Uh, it uh, spreads out across the ground. We'll talk about that. Uh, also, Scavola, another ground cover type plant, but it's a native. Yep. And uh, finally, the leek. The leek? Yes, the leek. It's got a variety of uses and very easy to grow, perfect in winter. All right. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it would be hard to grow. No, no. It's a, a very easy plant to grow for the kiddies as well. Now, you mentioned leeks earlier, Scott. You said easy to grow? They are easy to grow. You can, in fact, grow them all year round, but yep. they sort of do a little bit better in the colder months. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can be used for a variety of reasons. You can roast them. Yeah, can you really? Yes, yeah, you can stick them in the old oven. I actually was uh, treated to uh, some leek in some stock last night and then put into some risotto. Oh, hello. Yeah, so I oh, know it, it was all a bit past very my pay grade there. But, <laughs> but it was very, very nice. Uh, it has that really beautiful sort of um, caramelly sweet taste. Now, yep. the great thing about it is you can grow them in pots if you want to in the garden, uh, just in the ground. They don't like particularly acidic soil, so you can add some poultry manure mm-hmm. or even a little bit of lime to, uh, you know, try and get it a little bit more yep. alkaline for the plant. Now, you don't have to wait until they get, you know, that sort of big, thick, you know, shape so, yeah. about them. You can actually harvest them at all different times if you want to uh, and just, you know, big, and you get different tastes from them uh, when you're doing that. So yep. even if they're quite small, like a shallot, you can actually harvest them then and use them. Um, probably don't roast as well then. Yep, you obviously want the thicker ones to roast. Yeah, I think that's the best way to do that. Uh, and cut them into slices. But again, very easy um, to grow. Look, you'd probably plant them about, uh, I always get my old fingers out here at this point in time, don't I? It's probably about... 25, 25 centimetres? 25 centimetres apart, and that's plenty of space. So if you did have a pot, you could, you know, perhaps plant, you know, three or four in a, you know, a fairly large size yep. pot and let them go from there. Just water them normally, um, you know, some liquid fertiliser. After about four to six weeks, uh, you can start harvesting them. And if you want to, you can, as I said, you can just let them get bigger and fatter if you want to. Probably not, you know too long they might start to get a bit bitter and change their taste not sure about that but I always just do it when they're about that uh, you know sort of four to five centimetre that you see you know in in the green grocers so great time to do it and you can probably just get one from the grocers as well just cut the root off and try and strike it that way, or well, I guess that that might be a way to do it. I always worry about though, you know, depending which green grocer you've got it from. Yep. Some of them keep them in cold storage for too no, long, can, yep. and the plant's not going to grow too well. Uh, they are, are grown from seeds. You can get them as seedlings as well, which I would suggest is probably the best way to do it because uh, leek seeds are only very, very small, so you know they'd be carried away by yep. ants or by you know birds or anything. Uh, so a little seedling is the best way to uh, to start them off. Right, I might get some this afternoon. Okay, good stuff. <laughs> and we've got. Leone from Heat and Greeter. And she wants to know if bowls can be moved once they've started to sprouts. Good afternoon, Leone. What's What's been going on? Well, I've just run out of time. I've got some bulbs that I've been meaning to, you know, move and stuff. They're all sort of cramped up in a, in a rectangular um, tray and stuff. And they started to sprout. And I just wondered whether it was too late to try and move them or not. Oh, look, if they've only just started to sprout, I, I don't think it's too late. I mean, the great thing about the bulb is that it's, you know, a fairly self-contained little unit, really. You, you know where the bulb is, where the roots are going to come out of. So as long as you're really gentle in doing that, 
I don't think that there's an issue at, at all. So you just really just start to tease them apart. Uh, you know, if you find that there are any roots, you know, you said they're in a rectangular container. If any of the roots have started to interlock, uh, rather than tear them apart, you just get the scissors and give them a, a quick little snip through. Always better than tearing, uh, you know, sort of the fine hair follicles of, of the roots apart. Um, look, I think you can certainly do that. Once you get them, uh, you know, into your into the ground or into some, uh, you know, spaced out in some other pots, just make sure you water them well and continue to do that for the next, uh, you know, four or five days. And um, really, they'll, they'll be fine. Bulbs are a very, very tough thing because they've got that uh, that bulb there where there's lots and lots of, you know, starchy energy uh, that they can continue to draw on and, uh, you know, build their root system and build their leaf structure. Um, so, yeah, give it a try. Oh, good. Thank you very much. And we've got Paul from Chisholm and his figs are dormant on his tree at the moment. Hey, afternoon, Paul. What's been happening with your figs? Yeah, well, this is the second tro- crop this year. So the first crop we probably took about 10 off and they were fine, lovely and ripe. Uh, we've now got the second crop and counting them, I've probably got 15 on there. It's a very young tree. It's only standing about a metre and a half tall. Mm-hmm. Probably got nothing to do with it. But uh, Now, the, the figs that are on it are formed. They're all perfect, but very green, and they're just not changing colour, and they've been like that for about a month. So I'm just wondering... What can we do to give them a bit of a hurry up? Don't want to lose them. I'd like to be able to be picking them. <laughs> Look, you're just going to have to wait. And the great thing is, you have got uh, you know your two uh, fig crops. Uh, they're a, a type of plant will act that will actually you know nicely um, provide uh, you know tr- two fruiting se- I guess two fruiting occasions for you during the season. Um, but the trouble is, it's starting to get just that little bit late um, for most figs to be ripening now. Uh, you know, most of them will go from, you know, Feb through to April, May. So as you can see, we're just starting to get a little bit late. I yeah. think the only thing you can really do is just hang on now and wait. Uh, don't give them too much longer and just see what happens. Uh, you know, the trouble is we've had a cold snap. It looks like it might yeah. be going to remain cold. So you're just not getting that heat and the sunlight there now, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. to try and uh, ripen them up, which they need to get all those lovely sugars that they get inside them to, to ripen up. So I right. think it really is just a waiting game now. Eventually the plant's going to want to drop its leaves as well. Yep. And it wouldn't surprise me that with the, the cold snap we've had, uh, you know, today, obviously continuing on tomorrow and probably going to get cooler and cooler now as the month goes on, um, that you're going yeah. to see your leaves yellowing off and you're just not going to get, uh, you know, any more ripening of those. We, we get the same thing with passion fruits. A lot of people ring up about passion fruits and, you know, I say to them, look, if you've hit March um, and your passion fruit's showing no colour, um, pick them off. They're just going to, you know, rot and drop off the vine anyway. And you end up with a similar situation um, with yeah. figs. You've had that earlier um, fruiting. You then get yeah. your second one, but uh, it's just, just falling, too late. Yeah, falling yeah. a little bit too late, yeah. Yeah. So just on that point you just mentioned, so if if nothing happens over the coming weeks, are we better off to actually pick them off to protect the plant or just leave nature take its course? Oh, look, I'd, I'd probably pick them off at first. You'll, you'll just start to see them most likely yellow off as well, just like the leaves. Right. Uh, and if you start to see them yellow off, just um, you know, pull them off yep. the plant and be done mm. with it. Yeah, there's, there's really no um, reason that you would keep them on there. Um, the plant might still be trying to put some energy into the into the fig, but it's really going to be to no, to no avail. So you're best to get rid of them, let the plant become dormant, um, and then uh, it will re-energise for next year, for next season. 
All okay. right. Cheers. Yeah. Thank you very much for that, Paul. Thanks for that, Paul. Appreciate it. <laughs> Get those figs back for next year. Yeah. Uh, look, I've, I've loved the figs this year. They've been absolutely delicious. Uh, just, um, I know, I'm you go to the shops and you go, some people don't yep. even know what they are when you get to the checkout, but uh, they've just been fantastic for eating um, this year. I don't know what it has been about the season. Uh, I was in Hobart a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Different taste down there, um, more savoury rather than sweet. Right. Um, yeah. So, but they're absolutely delicious as well. Um, just, I think, just the different climate yep. down there. I was going to say it's a bit of cooler temperature down there, but having to do with it? Yeah, that, that'd be it. Um, you know, they, they do like need, like I said, they've got a lot of sugars in there. They do yeah. like the sunlight to um, to get them going. Had some oysters down there for breakfast on Saturday mo- oh, one Saturday morning. Fancy pants over it. <laughs> it, was loud there. It, was, it was like you're just drinking the almost pure, beautiful seawater there at 6 o'clock in the morning. It was fantastic. Oh, delightful. What a kickstart for the day. I know. I, look, I could have had some champagne or something, but I didn't, I didn't go down that avenue at no. 6 o'clock in the morning. Who needs coffee when you can have oysters? Absolutely. <laughs> And we had a question before from Michael from Bulwara. He said he's got crepe myrtle, but they're not flowering at the moment. What do you reckon that would be? Well, it might be, uh, you know, starting just to get a little bit late for the old crepe myrtle flowering. He should have had some flowering, though, you know, like in the last month or yep. two. Crepe myrtle are a fantastic plant. They get to about three to four metres tall. Uh, a lot in Georgetown in Newcastle, uh, down the, the streets there. Uh, you can get a variety of colours. So you can get whites, pinks, mauves. Uh, very, very easy to grow. The other great thing about the crepe myrtle is they have this, uh, over time, they have this really beautiful bark on the trunk. And when it gets wet, it uh, gets all these almost marble, you know, it's like a piece of marble almost, gets all these beautiful colours and and shapes to it. So, yeah, crepe myrtle, very easy to look after. They are uh, deciduous though, so they're going to lose their leaves um, probably starting, I reckon, right about now. Um, but, uh, yeah, otherwise, they're a pretty easy plant to, to look after. Uh, for Michael, if his hasn't been flowering, I'll be uh, definitely feeding it up. Uh, if it's only a young plant, uh, you could just be using a general liquid fertiliser. Uh, if it's an older plant, you would be using some cow manure and also some sulphate of potash and building that up in the soil. Uh, you have to use that quite regularly because it does sort of effectively you know, wash away. Yep. Uh, through the soil. So you'd be using that uh, every month, uh, you know, starting, say, from September or so, just to start to build it up into the soil for the flowering season of the plant. So just leave it now? Absolutely. Just leave it at the moment. Uh, Dormancy, dormancy, dormancy through winter. Uh, We'll get to about August. Uh, You might then put some cow manure around the plant, getting ready to bounce it back out of dormancy and some nice green uh, leafy growth on it. And then it will uh, flower in, uh, you know, the earlier parts of the year, the earlier months of the year. And Scott, at the top of the hour, you mentioned a couple of, I guess, covering plants, you could say? Yeah. Yes, they're uh, ground cover plants. Yeah, a good way of describing them. Uh, look, one of them is called Moses in the Cradle. And the Silver Spoon. Yes. <laughs> it's an old, look, I'll just say it's an old-fashioned plant, and it, in a way it is because it was really very popular back in the 70s. Yep. It's uh, got a very sort of, uh, you know, spike, like pointy leaf, green on the top, this beautiful purple mauve underneath. Right. And the Moses in the Cradle bit comes about from the the nature of its flower its flower sort of opens up like a like a little cradle, cradle. does and inside is this little white flower which is Moses, Moses. <laughs> very there good you go. there we go and and that's that's why it's uh, called that a very attractive little plant it actually so it's just the one flower yeah, well, it gets a little series of flowers in this little sort of pouch or, yep, or okay. cradle, yeah, and it looks quite cute. 
you're probably not going to write home about the flowers. You're actually doing it more for the the purple underside. Yeah. So there are dwarf varieties. There's also, uh, and it probably only gets, I'm doing the old finger thing here again. I'd say half a microphone stand. Yeah, so <laughs> about 10 centimetres. There is a taller one that will get to about 20 centimetres. Oh, yeah, 20 Maybe 22. 20, 22 centimetres. Uh, and it will just clump and clump and clump and keep on spreading out uh, across the ground and fill up the ground for you. Uh, you. Look, they probably, they'll grow out in the full sun. I've seen them in retaining walls as well where it's actually quite dry. So strangely enough, they will do well there. Um, now they come from, this is about, probably about the only plant I know from Guatemala. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, well, well, surely they've got more plants in Guatemala than just Moses in the Cradle. I'm sure they do. But that look, that's just the, the majesty of Australia's multiculturalism, <laughs> that we can have a plant from Guatemala. Um, they're also prevalent in South America as well. Now, the downside to that, uh, well, not the downside to that, but the downside to trying to grow them here in Australia is that they're sort of warmer yep. um, and, you know, a little bit more warmer than here in Australia. So okay. if you're in a wintry spot, you know, Sydney, South um, you know, Moses in a cradle might, you know, suffer a little bit yep. during the winter. Uh, they can actually be grown indoors as well. So nice uh, sunny spot there. Uh, yeah, look, just generally a, a, a pretty good all-around plant as a ground cover. Um, just be aware that, uh, you know, they might go backwards a little bit uh, in if we get a really, really cold winter. Right, okay. So probably now's not a good time to put them in. Probably not a good time to, uh, you know, get them from a nice, you know, warm glass house or something and yep. stick them out into, into, the, uh, into the cold weather. Uh, they're going to feel a touch unhappy. And the second plant is well. It's actually much of a, a much it's a native plant. Isn't it, it is a native plant, so it's going to be much hardier. And it's actually scavola. Yep. Uh, it's a, a ground cover uh, that just spreads out like a, a wave over the ground. Again, it will grow in uh, you know rockeries in very dry conditions. Absolutely full sun. We'll take a little bit of shade as well if you want it to. Uh, you can get those in different colours. You can get them in mauves, uh, whites, a uh, light pink. Uh, great for pruning back as well if they start to get a bit uh, you know sort of shabby and woody. Uh, you just hit them with the old shears and uh, give them a good cut back and they will regenerate. Quick growing as well. Uh, so that's Scavola, a whole lot of different colours, as I said. Uh, a really great plant uh, as a ground cover. Excellent. Well, Scott Shuffling, we're, we're done. Oh, okay. Well, we'll, we'll uh, call it quits for the call, day. Call it quits for the day. Unless nothing else. That's it. Thank you. Well, Scott Sharp, we'll catch you again next Monday. Okay, talk to you. I believe. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.